Thank you for joining us for another informative, educational, and entertaining edition of Music and Medicine with Dr. Charles Modlin, kidney transplant surgeon, board-certified urologist, public speaker, and well-known community national leader for the elimination of health disparities, dedicated to informing you, the listening audience, about important health topics and health information that you, your family, and your community need to know while at the same time providing you with quality entertainment because music and entertainment is medicine. Dr. Marlin's co-hosts are Jerome Brown and registered nurse Jonathan Branch. And the program often includes special content expert guests. So, without further ado, here is the host of the show, Dr. Charles Marlin. Well, welcome to another exciting edition of Music and Medicine. We have a very, very important program this evening. This being September, it is National Prostate Cancer Awareness Month. And I, as a urologist, that's one of the uh, major disease states that I uh, diagnose and treat prostate cancer. Um, We've talked about this subject uh, matter in the past, uh, but it's very important to revisit this. And and again, uh, this is uh, National Prostate Cancer Awareness Month. Uh, This is a a topic, a subject, a a disease that uh, particularly afflicts uh, men of color. So I want to go to my trusty iPhone here and just uh, highlight some statistics uh, about prostate cancer and African-Americans. So um, there's roughly about 250, 260,000 men in America who will be diagnosed with prostate cancer uh, this year, every calendar year. but the incidence of prostate cancer is highest amongst African-Americans. So um, here's some information. African-Americans have the world's highest incidence of prostate cancer and more than twofold higher mortality rate compared to their white male counterparts. Uh, The incidence and mortality rate for Hispanics are about one third lower uh, than those uh, seen in non-Hispanic whites. Um, So, What else? Uh, African-American males have the highest risk of prostate cancer due to a range of factors, including genetics, uh, racial bias. And and we can get into some of this uh, discussion in terms of what that is and socioeconomic status. Uh, Socioeconomic status relates to a lot uh, a situation that a lot of times men of color may not have access to health care, to see doctors, to to undergo uh, screenings. Therefore, it's essential that black males discuss the risk and benefits of testing with a doctor who understands their specific needs. I always say that every man should have a urologist in addition to a primary care provider. Not everybody knows what a urologist is. So a urologist is a surgical subspecialist where we we, uh, go to medical school, we graduate from medical school, we're physicians and, and surgeons, but we do a specific internship and residency in what is called urology. And we take care both of men and women, uh, but we're also uh, subspecialists with respect to men's health and and obviously prostate health, prostate cancer, even uh, non-cancerous conditions of the prostate are are, uh, conditions that we treat. So every man needs a urologist in addition to um, a primary care provider. So what else? 
one of the most important factors to understand is that prostate cancer is potentially 100% treatable and curable if we can detect it in early stages before it spreads outside of the prostate. Um, that's one reason why prostate cancer has a higher mortality rate in black men compared to white men, because it, it, it's oftentimes diagnosed in later stages in, in, in black men uh, due to delayed delays in diagnosis. And there is some evidence that prostate cancer is uh, tends to be more aggressive in uh, men of color as well. Uh, the other thing is, um, whenever we talk about cancer or a number of these other medical conditions, we, we oftentimes underscore the importance of uh, undergoing or, or performing research, medical research for the advancement of science, uh, development of new, newer techniques, newer medications. Um, and, you know, we've talked about this before, and, and, and I'll say it again, uh, African-Americans uh, men are underrepresented uh, in trials, clinical trials, uh, regarding prostate cancer. So we do need to encourage uh, our African-American men uh, to enroll in clinical uh, trials to advance the, the science of medicine. So um, what, what are some of the uh, warning signs of prostate cancer? Um, there are major, there are five major uh, warning signs of prostate cancer. Um, but before I'll go into that, I'll, I'll say that most men with prostate cancer who are diagnosed with prostate cancer actually have no symptoms. So you can't um, just say, okay, I'm fine. I, I, I don't have any signs or symptoms. Uh, therefore, I don't need to get screened for prostate cancer. That's, that's not true. And some of these signs and symptoms um, overlap with just uh, having an enlarged prostate, uh, having prostatitis, inflammation, or infection of the prostate. So a frequent need to urinate, especially at night, um, sometimes uh, urgently, uh, difficulty with starting or holding back urination, weak dribbling or interrupted urine flow, painful or burning urination, uh, and erectile dysfunction, um, and a decrease in the amount of ejaculated fluid. Th these can actually be uh, signs and symptoms of prostate cancer. So it it's um, very easy to uh, diagnose prostate cancer. Um, and another very important fact, um, and I'm going to bring on my co-host in a second. Uh, but another very important fact is um, that black men should start screening for prostate cancer generally 15 years earlier um, than their white male counterparts, because um, we do have a higher incidence of prostate cancer and there are genetic uh, hereditary components. So black men should start screening for prostate cancer at the age of 40 years old. Whereas white men, unless they have a strong family history, they don't have to start screening until they're about 55 years old. Um, <clears throat> the screening test, um, generally we like to do what we call a PSA. <clears throat> That's a, a blood test um, that tells us, it gives us an indication of what is the uh, <clears throat> enzymatic activity of the prostate. Um, oftentimes we'll, we'll combine that with what we call a digital rectal examination uh, or prostate examination. And if your PSA is elevated higher than what it should be, then we'll recommend a prostate biopsy. Occasionally, uh, we'll <clears throat> order some other testing to help us um, determine uh, perhaps maybe where we should target our biopsies, you know, with an MRI. Um, that, that's a, a specialized uh, form of an x-ray. But uh, no, we wanted to touch on this topic. Um, but today, actually on the show, we have a very special guest, uh, Terrence Affer Anderson, 
he's actually a filmmaker, a film producer, and he has actually produced a um, very impressive uh, documentary uh, on prostate cancer. And we're going to preview uh, on this uh, show, uh, Music and Medicine, uh, uh, this evening, uh, this documentary. It's called The Black Walnut. But we're going <clears> to <throat> uh, bring him on and, and, and let him go into more detail about this. But uh, first, I'd like to bring on my co-host, um, Jonathan Branch. Uh, Jonathan Branch is a registered uh, nurse out at the great Walter Reed Hospital. He's taking care of those uh, active service and, and uh, veterans. Uh, so uh, um, thanks for being with us, Jonathan. I really appreciate it. Great to be here, Dr. Modlin. And this is a very important topic. And like you emphasized, this is a, an important talk important topic for African-American men because we are severely underdiagnosed um, when it comes to, to prostate cancer. You know, and, and as you've seen as a nurse, a lot of black men are, are reticent, uh, reluctant um, to undergo the screening. They've heard certain right. myths and rumors about the prostate exam and, and you know, a, a lot of men that, well, they, they say, well, if I have it, I don't even want to know that I have it. Right, uh, so. right. Yeah, there are a lot of old wives' tales going around about the prostate exam and all. And and a lot of men are, you know, both black and white are very embarrassed to get that exam. So, I mean, it is very invasive. I've, I've had it a few times doing, uh, doing physicals. So it is very invasive. But, uh, but it's it's very important, and um, like you said, it's it's good to know what your what your PSA numbers are. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, a lot of case. a lot of times now, <clears throat> as urologists um, and even primary care providers, a lot of times we'll just you know get a PSA blood test, right, and not even have to do the digital exam. Right, right. Well, I've had them both done, so. <laughs> yeah. So let's uh, let's bring on our guest, uh, Terrence Affer Anderson. Are, are you there? I am. Hey, there he is. I'm delighted to be here. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thanks for uh, spending time with us. Uh, thank you for the invite, sir. So, can you, you tell the audience about yourself? Uh, I was diagnosed with prostate cancer back in 2009, and when I was diagnosed, uh, neither of my brothers had been screened for prostate cancer, uh, and they both were. And uh, my eldest brother was uh, diagnosed that, uh, with a stage later than myself. And that impressed upon me the, the importance of getting the word out. And I uh, had been working in a volunteer capacity with the, uh, the American Cancer Society, uh, working with the African American Men's Health Forum. And that's where I was when I was diagnosed. I was where I needed to be. Uh, but my brothers didn't have that. So it just impressed upon me, again, the, the critical importance of getting the word out. Uh, I was hosting a uh, television show at the time called Health Watch, and I did uh, at least two different editions of the show on uh, African-American men and prostate cancer and uh, produced a uh, public service announcement as well, a couple of those, actually. Um, but then in 2016, I had the good fortune of participating in a fellowship program conducted by the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, the Culture of Health Leaders Program. And we all had to choose a, uh, a topic as our uh, culminating strategic initiative. And for me, uh, to focus on prostate cancer, uh, the prostate cancer disparity was an obvious choice. Uh, I initially thought about doing it as a play, 
Uh, I've done, I've been over 20 plays. Um, and the one thing about a play is that a play is not necessarily as uh, portable as a film. So I thought that a film would be a good idea. Um, and I, I've been writing for a while, um, uh, creative writing. And um, one of the greatest influences on my writing was a gentleman by the name of Rod Sterling from the old Twilight Zone. Um, and the reason that I liked his, his work is because it made you think there was something that you, you wanted to pay attention to the story so that you would get what's going on. And so I'm talking about uh, novelty. And I think that even when it comes to film, the American consumer really uh, has a great appreciation of novelty. So I wanted to do something a little bit different, uh, but also that would, uh, that would make it you know, real impactful. So I did it as a docudrama. Um, and so that I could tell the, uh, paint a, uh, a comprehensive picture of the, the disparity. Uh, I wrote a fictionalized story, but in the context of that fiction, I had seven, uh, actually nine prostate cancer survivors appearing in the film, portraying themselves. And at the end of the film, uh, uh, four of them, five of them, I look at the camera and give a testimonial. Uh, and I have every conviction that the, uh, the film has been saving lives because there, you know, there's so many men that are being screened for uh, prostate cancer, the PSA, uh, and, and the DRE that had never been done before. And uh, a number of those men were diagnosed. Um, you know, so that's, that's basically what the, uh, the, the genesis of the film uh, and why I felt so compelled to, to do this particular project. Um, and you mentioned the preview was the preview was some what we might call an extended trailer um and uh i, I think it kind of really sets up the entire uh, project and at the end of the preview i'll, I'll share a couple of things uh, about that uh, about that trailer even so yeah how, how about we just take a look at that uh, trailer now if we can Sounds it's about good. uh six or seven minutes i believe right yes Isaac Roster, a successful defense attorney at the top of his game, catering to those of little means. He met and married Imani Richardson, a pediatric nurse and the love of his life. When I laid eyes on you, I realize that magic lives between heartbeats. <laughs> and my heart skipped a beat, creating a space that only you can reside to new beginnings. Life was perfect. Amazing! 
You still amaze me, Isaac. How do you continue to peep into my dreams? <laughs> yes, Isaac couldn't ask for more. He had done everything right. Summa cum laude undergraduate at an HBCU, top of his class at an Ivy League law school, partner in a prestigious law firm. He was covering all of the bases. So he thought. I'm sorry, baby. It must be the stress from this new court case that I have. Honey, stress can cause a host of illnesses. I mean, Isaac, you've had some other things going on for a while now. You need to see Dr. Brett. I won't take any more excuses. Okay. Okay, I promise. Because I know if I don't, <laughs> you're going to take me to court behind this. <laughs> Your subpoena is over there in that nightstand. <laughs> okay. Imani, hey, I... I didn't know. I should have paid more attention. <laughs> hey guys, come here. Look, daddy loves you more than all the stars in the sky. But you know, sometimes Grown-ups make mistakes that they can't recover from. But I want you to know that you and your mommy, you're the best things that's happened to me in this world. And I love you. I love you too, Daddy. There is a health scare to disproportionately impacting black men in America. But Isaac listened. He listened to Imani. And eventually, he did what he was supposed to do. That was not the case, however, with his brother Irving, also an attorney, yet one who wasn't judicious about his own health. He is the one being buried here today. There is a small gland in men only about the size of a walnut. It is the prostate. If cancerous and left untreated, it can take down mountains. African-American men are at the greatest risk. Isaac Worcester's story is just beginning. This is the tale of the black walnut coming soon.
very good. Thank you. Thank you. Those are extensive credits. So I'm glad you're able to stop that. Uh, again, there were um, uh, a couple of, uh, I won't call them gimmicks, but uh, uh, twists in the uh, in the preview uh, that you just saw. Um, most people think that Isaac is the one that has been buried. Right. But uh, And then I have a showing up at the end. And the reason I have a showing up at the end is to give people hope um to you know to, to make sure that people take care of themselves uh and on the flip side of that um you know his brother didn't do that uh, and um so i mean that's that's one of the things that happened in the story but there's a in the film there's another thing that uh there's a bit of a gimmick and uh i'm just gonna put that out there but you have to see the film to really appreciate what that is so how long is the the film in, in total uh, the film is an hour and 17 minutes. Okay. And and you're going to be um, showing the entire film at the upcoming uh, Greater Cleveland Urban Film Festival, which runs from September the 9th through 17th. But your your film is actually being uh, uh, shown at the film festival on, on September the 18th. Yeah, so they're doing a special showing of the film on the 18th. Okay, and that's going to be at Shaker Square, from what I recall. Uh, so I'm so sorry. I'm not terribly familiar with Detroit, but uh, I believe that's the location. Yes. Okay, yeah, I, I believe it is because I'm actually going to sit on a panel, um, and where we're going to be, I'll be sitting there with you. We're going to be talking about uh, prostate cancer. We need to fly Jonathan out here to Cleveland <laughs> to be on. The yeah, I, I didn't realize that Jonathan was at Walter Reed. I lived in Washington for a number of years, and oh, really? Okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We're in Bethesda now. We got moved right, to the right. That, right. When uh, when you guys were on uh, off of uh, was it Georgia Avenue? Oh, no. Georgia Avenue, yeah. It was Georgia, okay. Oh. Georgia Avenue, yeah. Uh, but the the film is, uh, you know, it's been a uh, an interesting journey. You know, it's been a a bit of a circuitous journey as well. Um, but ultimately, uh, I have very conviction again that uh, that we're helping people and. I would say with some caution that we're even saving lives because I know the brothers are going out and getting screened after they see the film. Okay. Um, and women play a prominent role in the film because a, uh, a sister can get her, her husband to do what he needs to do, you know. Um, a woman can get a man to get out there to uh, to do what he needs to do with his, with his health. Yeah, um, that, that's something that I discovered. I didn't really realize that initially. It's, it was a learning curve, curve for me. So, um, you know, I started this uh, minority men's health fair back in 2003 at, at, at Cleveland Clinic. We just recently had our uh, first uh, minority men's health fair this past April at, at Metro. Um, and, and I say that to point out the fact that it was a learning curve. It wasn't until I went out and started speaking to women's groups, uh, sororities and, and other women's groups, um, that the numbers of men coming into the minority men's health fair actually um, dramatically uh, exponentially, you know, um, went, went up. I mean, um, the, the women out there in many instances actually play the predominant role in terms of making a lot of the healthcare decisions, you know, for their families. And so we owe it, uh, we have a great, you know, debt of gratitude uh, to the women. So I'm, I'm glad uh, that you incorporated that into the film. And, and the other thing is w without doubt, you're saving lives. There's no question about it. It's, it's not, that's not even debatable. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. I I uh, <laughs> I, I, I had a, a, an exercise in humility uh, 
some time ago, and just personally speaking, there was uh, there was an experience with the Lord, and uh, so you know, um, I, I, I I'm just a humble man, you know, but I I, I do believe that uh, that it is saving lives. Yeah. You know, John Jonathan, um, you know, one thing I discovered also is that children, whether whether they're adult children or you know, minor, you know, they're minors or, I mean, children can actually play an important role in terms of getting their fathers, their, their, yes, they their can, mothers yeah. to go get screenings. They can, they can make them yeah. feel guilty. We have to use whatever technique we can. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, yeah. and uh, at, now after the uh, film festival, uh, how can we, how can we uh, still see your film? Yeah, I uh, uh, have a couple more screenings coming up. Um, and after that, I, I'm looking at making it more available. I've been, the reason that hasn't been uh, as immediately available as I would like is because it's been doing the film festival circuit. And uh, so I have some, some goals with the film to, uh, to get it uh, uh, video streamed by a network. Um, and so I, I'm, having, I'm doing the festival circuit thing uh, okay. in anticipation and, and hope of uh, giving the film uh, uh, greater credibility uh, and uh, credentials uh, so that it has some appeal to a video streaming service. Okay, okay. So can you tell us some of the technicalities um, and, and you know, what does it take to produce a film like this? Um, the, some of the technicalities, I mean, how, how long did it take to, to make this film? Um, <laughs> I'll tell you an interesting story. Uh, most often when you uh, see a, a trailer, um, the film is pretty much done. Uh, and I made a reference earlier that the film has been on a circuitous journey. A real illustration of that is that uh, I wrote and produced, because of the requirements of the fellowship, I wrote, uh, produced and directed the uh, trailer long before I had even written the script for the feature-length film. Uh, so it was kind of backwards, you know, um, and, you know, and again, this was my first feature length. So I, I, I learned a lot. Um, I gathered uh, uh, good people around me, um, uh, good technical crew. My director of photography was uh, Greg Boyd, who was, uh, does phenomenal work. I've used him on a, a couple of projects um, and my cast. Again, there I use a lot of professional actors in that film, um, in that trailer. But when you get to the film, that's when you meet the real prostate cancer survivors. Um, I got a lot of cooperation from the uh, the city, and, and I think the city of Norfolk. Uh, and I think that's because of uh, of the work that I've done as a as a playwright and a theatrical director. Uh, the uh, mayor gave us access to, to the cemetery. Uh, a city council woman gave us access to city council chambers and we, for that trailer, we turned the city council chambers. We made it look like a courtroom. Um, there is a 24-hour, uh, uh, seven-day-a-week truck stop that, uh, that appears in the, uh, uh, in the film. Uh, and we, because they are open 24 hours, uh, those scenes we had to shoot two o'clock in the morning. Um, so I had a a very dedicated cast, um, and you know, beyond the technical things, uh, one thing that I learned—I learned this a while ago—but especially with feature-length films, um, a good editor 
uh, can really make or break a film. And my director of photography also served as my editor. And I was over his shoulder, you know, but I also listened to what he had to say because, you know, he had much more experience than I. Um, and that's basically all that I could think of at this, you know, this present time in terms of uh, uh, technical things. You know, uh, Terrence and um, Jonathan, I'll tell a, a quick true story. And, and this this is probably 20 years ago or so. Um, everybody uh, in, in Northeast Ohio, even, you know, a lot of people nationally um, know about uh, Reverend Dr. Marvin McMichael. Um, you know, he um, led Antioch, Antioch Baptist Church uh, here in Cleveland. Um, he left for a while. I think he went to Syracuse to be a professor. He came back. <clears throat> but I was at one of his talks, again, about 20 years ago or so. Um, and he's a prostate cancer survivor. He actually wrote a book. So um, uh, so this is public information. I'm not this is not any privileged uh, medical information or anything. But he, he wrote a book about his journey in, in, on surviving prostate cancer. And I was at, at a, one of the talks, um, men's groups, that he was uh, uh, speaking to a group of men about uh, his journey. And then, um, we, as we discussed, a lot of men are afraid of uh, being diagnosed with prostate cancer, <clears throat> you know, undergoing treatment, uh, because they'll, they're, many men are fearful that they think they're going to become um, or, you know, have erectile dysfunction. And, you know, during this event, one of the uh, parishioners raised his hand and said, well, you know, Dr. McMichael, I don't even want to know if I have prostate cancer because I'm afraid about I'm, I'm afraid I'll lose my nature. And Dr. McMichael's he's literally six foot ten. And he he paused. And he, he looked down at this gentleman. He goes, last I I've heard nobody's having sex in the cemetery. <laughs> you, know, so, <laughs> you know, but so it's true. true. So I we like have to put everything cute. in perspective. The thing is, <laughs> and so erectile dysfunction is a, can be a, a, a sequelae of having prostate cancer itself or just having even a benign enlargement of the prostate. Mm -hmm. um, but it can follow um, treatment of prostate cancer, either with surgery or radiation. But men need to understand as urologists, there are things that we can do to help them, you know, if they have that problem after treatment. But again, as I as I mentioned during the opening, <clears throat> prostate cancer is potentially 100% curable if you can diagnose it in early stages. So, you know, I implore the men, uh, age, you know, black men, 40 and above, get screened for prostate cancer. Go get your PSA blood test. PSA stands for prostate specific antigen, simple blood test. If that blood test is elevated, your urologist, um, a lot of times the primary care providers will, will do the test. And then if they're elevated, they'll refer the, uh, the man to, to see a urologist. If it's elevated, the urologist can um, speak uh, with the patient and uh, determine whether or not it's uh, necessary to do a, a prostate biopsy. You know, give, give the patient an informed consent, um, talking about the risk factors of biopsy, um, uh, but, but again, I mean, the, these are simple things to do. Uh, a, a prostate biopsy takes literally probably five minutes to do. Um, it takes maybe, depending on uh, how busy the pathologist is, it may take three days, five days for them to read that result. And then we will, will 
you know, call the man, tell them whether or not they have prostate cancer. They'll come in and sit, sit down with us and we'll go through what are the treatment options. I mentioned radiation as a treatment and surgery. And, and people always ask me, um, well, doctor, what, what's the preferred um, way to, to treat prostate cancer? <clears throat> well, you know, by and large, um, both long-term and, and, and short-term survival is equivalent. Um, radiation versus surgery. There's different types of radiation, brachytherapy, we call that seeds. Mm -hmm. There's external radiation. And then there's surgery. Um, most likely these, you know, most often these days, uh, surgeries uh, performed uh, by the aid of, of a robot. We, we call it a radical robotic um, prostatectomy. Uh, sometimes uh, a urologist will, will perform it through an open technique. But there's something I, I need to mention, I didn't mention before. Um, there's different grades of prostate cancer. Some prostate cancers more aggressive than others. Um, there's there's a low grade um, prostate cancer. We call it, it's a Gleason scoring system. Uh, the scoring system is, is graded six to 10. If you have a Gleason six prostate cancer and, and, and in some cases seven, you may not, and depending on your age and, and other factors, you may not actually need to have any treatment right away, if at all. Uh, we call that active surveillance. So right. um, there's been a lot of advancements in, in um, how we approach prostate cancer. So even if you're diagnosed with prostate cancer, that doesn't automatically mean that you have to have anything done. <clears throat> surveillance is where we uh, repeat the PSA every three or four months. Uh, uh, if you have low-grade prostate cancer, every year or two years, we'll repeat the biopsy, make sure that grade is not changing. Um, there are certain situations, depending on the PSA, the grade, where we'll do additional staging with a bone scan and CAT scan. So again, uh, I'll say it again, every man needs a urologist in addition to a primary care provider. So so Terrence, again, I mean, we we, uh, we thank you for, for what you've done with this project. There's no question you're, you're saving lives. Um, we hope people will turn out to this you know, this uh, screening film festival, September the 18th, it's going to be over in the Shaker Square. Um, what, what, what other, you, you mentioned that you have some other projects you're working on also. What, what, what other projects? I uh, recently did a, uh, uh, only my second documentary, and this is a genuine legitimate uh, documentary in every sense of the word. Uh, it's on my church. Uh, it's called The Angels and the Details. Uh, I happen to attend the only African-American Basilica in the nation in Norfolk, Virginia. And we recently just did a uh, $6.7 million renovation. And uh, uh, the church was built in 1858. The predecessor of the church was burned to the ground in 1856 uh, by a group called the Know-Nothings because uh, in 1856, uh, they had black people attending the church and it is believed they are even doing uh, interracial marriages. Um, but during the renovation, I just wanted to document the renovation. We found two tunnels underneath the church. And we have great suspicion that one of them played a, uh, a role in the, a major role in the Norfolk uh, branch of the Underground Railroad. Uh, and one, a couple of things lend some real uh, credence to that. Uh, initially, uh, there was a free black woman by the name of Mary Lou Best, who was a spy for the Union Army during the Civil War. She was a member of my church. 
um, at the age of about 23, 24, she uh, purchased a slave boy uh, by the name of Mark Dumati. Uh, and why would this free black woman purchase a slave boy? We suspect that she did it to keep him away from his master. Uh, because at the age of 18, when she could give him his freedom, he became a prolific conductor on the Underground Railroad. So if Mary Lou Vest went to the church, he no doubt went to the church as well. And uh, uh, one of these underground tunnels, uh, I, I stepped inside the tunnel and took a picture, and it was headed towards the water. Uh, and there was a uh, uh, another black man by the name of uh, Sam Nixon, who, if you can believe this, this is all too story. Um, he was a, uh, a slave whose master realized that he was uh, pretty brilliant. So he taught him dentistry. And so Sam would make house calls. Now, he was not making house calls to slaves. He had white clientele. And some of the people that he was seeing were the boat captains, the, the ship captains that came into the Norfolk Harbor, which was near where the church was. And uh, Sam made arrangements with uh, these boat captains to put escaped slaves on their boats and take them up north. Uh, so there's just incredible history there. And uh, that particular film uh, has been doing very, very well as well. That was a semifinalist in the uh, the Con World Film Festival, uh, uh, Best Feature nominee in the Mykonos Greece International Film Festival. Um, I mean, it's just been doing well. Uh, so I, I, I've been very blessed. And uh, uh, so that's the other project, you know, that... Uh, that's currently making the festival circuit. I, I just uh, uh, just last evening I put another one of my films on this uh, platform called uh, Film Freeway, uh, which is something that can make it eligible uh, for festivals. I haven't submitted to anything yet. Uh, I also wanted to uh, to make one other comment about why I thought that to do the Black Walnut was important beyond just that whole thing that uh, the the wake-up call that I got when my brother was himself diagnosed. He appears in the film, by the way. In fact, both of my brothers appear in the film. Um, but one of the reasons that I wanted to deliver this message about early detection is because of the way I benefited from it personally. As you uh, noted, a lot of uh, uh, men have grave concerns about uh, erectile dysfunction. Um, and, uh, you know, for me, I had the brachytherapy done. I had the seeds put in. And it's just, I never had any issues following the treatment. And that's because I got to it early. After the brachytherapy, I didn't have to have any more radiation. Uh, my last PSA was like 0 0.1. Uh, and I want to get it even lower. But it's, you know, it's just been a great experience. So that's, that's why I'm trying to get that, the word out there. Um, but I, I do love filmmaking um, is something that uh, that I, I, I just really, truly, I, I have always known that I wanted to do it, um, but uh, I just came to it late, you know. But, but you know, it's, ama it's amazing, um, you telling your story there, it's amazing how much research you have to put in um, to get to the point where you, you can actually make the film. I mean, most of your time is probably researching you know, the subject matter. Uh, the other thing, I, I don't know if your audience, uh, so the Black Walnut is the, the name of your documentary. 
And again, the reason why you chose the word walnut is the normal size prostate is about the, the size of a walnut. Yes. So just, just so that your audience understands that. But uh, yeah, Jonathan, uh, no, I, you know, we're, we're just happy uh, that we had an opportunity to uh, meet uh, you, uh, Terrence. And uh, yeah. we'd like to have you back on the show Absolutely. again at some point. Absolutely. I'd love to. Yeah. And, you know, jo Jonathan uh, asked me if, if, if you would cast uh, both of us in, in one of your movies. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I will, I will tell you, I will tell you that uh, that's something that I'm known to do. Um, okay. Because, you know, I, I, I am a uh, people person. I think that people are completely fascinated because you never know what to expect. People make uh, great uh, subject matter and great source material. Um, and so, if someone has the the heart uh, to to appear in the film or to appear on stage, I, I'm delighted to have uh, that person present themselves to me uh, because I I do that because I will say though that I have been <laughs> I've been called a hard taskmaster, um, but it's only because to create character. Uh, now I'm talking about creating character in a fictional, fictionalized character. Right. To create character, you have to turn your entire physiological being into a work of art. And as I tell my actors, um, when you're doing that, your countenance, your physical facade becomes like a, a canvas from which you paint, but you have to paint from the inside. So when I direct actors, I go deep into their psyche uh, and, and, and work in earnest to, uh, to, uh, to break down any barriers that they might have that um, precludes their being able to relax to the point where their spirit can flow, their creative spirit can flow. Because I believe that all of us are, are inherently creative, but it just manifests in different ways. What you do as a urologist, sir, I mean, that's that's creative work, you know, uh, and as well as yourself, uh, Mr. Brands, as a uh, as an RN. I mean, so that's what I try and do. So uh, that's a long response to your your question about putting you guys in the film. Don't be surprised if I come calling. <laughs> I put Jonathan on the spot. He didn't really ask that. I mean, I, I, no, I, well, you know, no. uh, both Jonathan and uh, Jerome Branch look uh, Jerome Brown look familiar. Um, and I lived in D.C. for about 20 years, uh, Jonathan. I lived all over D.C. I lived on Capitol Hill. I lived the DuPont Circle. I lived all over D.C. And and where did you go to church in D.C.? Say again? Where did you attend a, a church in D.C.? Uh, I would attend St. Augustine's uh, Catholic okay. Church. Um, but I, most often, I would attend a church in Virginia. Um, my brother uh, happens to be the first African-American deacon in the Arlington Catholic Diocese of Virginia uh, and is at St. Joseph's Church. You know, I, I have a great fascination for history. Uh, and as you uh, noted, uh, uh, Dr. Modlin, uh, research, if you're going to do a film, you have to have a passion for research. I mean, if you want to if, if you want it to be authentic, you know, 
you, you have to do your research. Yeah, um, and that's just very, very important to me. So I wanted to highlight uh, to the audience as we close this out, um, you can put down on your, your calendars right now the next uh, Metro Health Minority Men's Health Fair, where we're going to be offering uh, free screenings to all men, regardless of race or ethnicity. It's going to be Thursday, April the 27th. That's the last Thursday um, in the month of uh, April 2023. Uh, we want all the men to take uh, advantage of this opportunity where we celebrate September as National Prostate Cancer Awareness Month. Um, go out, uh, get screened for prostate cancer, see your primary care doctor, uh, see your, 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 your urologist. If you don't have a urologist, uh, uh, you can ask your primary care doctor to refer you. We actually work in concert uh, with primary care physicians. We augment the care, uh, we're, we're their partners. Um, the other thing I, I'd like to acknowledge, uh, Mr. William Reed, um, uh, for doing the vo voiceover in the introduction for music and medicine. Um, like to acknowledge, um, uh, Russell Johnson, uh, our, the producer of this show, Hawk two productions, uh, Jonathan, thanks for being with us. Um, oh, certainly. you know, as always, uh, we, again, we, we really love to have you come out here for the health fair, uh, next April the 27th <laughs> and, uh, Terrence, um, we can talk later. Uh, yes. But it'd be nice to actually circulate uh, your film um, throughout a lot of the uh, the churches out here as well. So um, yeah. I want to thank the listening audience for, for tuning in and then uh, stay tuned. We're, we have uh, many more topics, um, you know, coming down the pike. Uh, so uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody. And uh, we'll, we'll see you later. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Sir. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye.